Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So about three years ago, I met a guy by the name of Brian Howie. And he was the host and producer of a show called The Great Love Debate. Now, this show was a live show. It's a traveling show where he had a bunch of men and a bunch of women at different venues all across America and get them in a room almost town hall style and talk about love and debate, about dating and debunk myths. And I was really, intri- I was really intrigued with this whole concept. And I was lucky enough to be one of the chosen ones to be the expert on stage because he also had a panel of experts that would chime in and give tips on their area of expertise to the audience. Now, what was so great about the show is that afterwards there's a mix and mingle situation where all the guys and the girls get together and they can actually meet each other as well as the experts. Well, this was about the third show that I did and really getting into it and loving this whole format because it was a way to really reach people in a short amount of time. This one woman, this actually gorgeous woman comes up to me, but she didn't know she was gorgeous and that was the problem. And she said, Kim, I'm not sure what's happening because I can't find love and I don't know why. Well, I took one look at her and I knew why. And it wasn't because she wasn't an amazing woman. And after talking to her, she even became more amazing. It was because she didn't know she was amazing. So she shows up at this venue and it's a chance to meet guys, right? And she's wearing something that was completely wrong for her body type. She had this voluptuous figure and she was wearing this patterned dress that was really, really conservative and went all the way up to her neckline. And her body language was almost as if she was hiding. She didn't make eye contact, she was super shy. And she really didn't have a voice. I could tell by the way she was talking to me. So we were talking and we decided that we were gonna work together. And I, that moment in time really changed her life. From the show, The Great Love Debate, to working with me, I then took her under my wing and I took her shopping and this little conservative girl, I got her into some hot leather pants and tight fitting dresses that really showcased her figure and she started blossoming. And then from there, we did a photo shoot and she saw herself for the first time in her life as a feminine, sexy woman. And that really was the problem. After getting to know her, I realized that she was giving her power away to the men. She was not in her feminine. She was doing things for men and she wasn't receiving from a man. And that's we're really, we're gonna talk about that a lot today on this, on this show. But I'm happy to say there is a happy, really happy ending to the story. So this was about three years ago when I worked with her. I sent her off on her way and hadn't heard from her in a while. Well, I got an email from her introducing me to a friend, referring me and said, Kim, I want to introduce you to my friend because you helped me so much. I hope you can help her. She keeps falling into the friend zone. 
And with that email, there was an attached picture of her in her wedding gown. She had gotten married. And I, I literally almost cried when I saw the email and I forwarded it to Brian. I said, see the magic that came out of your show. And so that's why I am super excited to have Brian Howie on the show today. He is near and dear to me. We've known each other for a very long time. But more than that, Brian is an award-winning director, producer, and author of How to Find Love in 60 Seconds. He has been the subject of features on Fox, ABC, CNN, Entertainment Weekly, The New Yorker, and Esquire Magazine. And of course, he's the host and creator of The Great Love Debate. Time Magazine named him America's number one dating enthusiast. I love that. And he takes pride on saying that he is not a coach, but he's an enthusiast. And sometimes, well, he'll talk about how he helps people probably more than we coaches sometimes. <laughs> and I feel honored that I was crowned as the 2015 leading love expert for a great love debate. I got to do many shows with and without Brian. And I don't think there were any more crowns passed on, right, Brian? I think now you are the king in your court as it should be. So. Without further ado, Brian, hi. Uh, and you left out that you told me I should wear a large instead of an extra large and, and changed my life forever. Oh, well, that's exactly what I'm <laughs> going to talk to you about. <laughs> well, you took the words right out of my mouth. My own so, personal style. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk? I mean, Brian had a complete transformation. Like, I think when I first met you, you were wearing shirts about three sizes too big. Uh, I don't know about three, but maybe two and a half. Was. I yeah, think, maybe. I think it was, because there was a um, fist full of, like, material you, in the back. Yeah. Do you know why <laughs> I wore shirts like that? Because I'm a guy, and we don't know any better. And, I mean. uh, and it takes the <laughs> right person to say it in, in a, you didn't say, like, you don't look good in this. You said, you know what you would look great in, and we hear that, and we mm. respond to that, and it changed a lot of things for me. Oh, well, no, and you look fantastic, by the way. And, you know, when you put that stuff on your body, that bigger stuff, you looked bigger than you were. And so I know. You, right? What are and you I'm hiding like, under that tent? Yeah. I, <laughs> I wasn't even a fat guy. I just dressed like a fat guy, which was strange. I know. And then, well, and that, too, is when you got into the, like, the skinnier look. You actually acted like the skinnier guy. Yeah, skinnier, younger. Hipper, hotter. cooler, hotter, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. You know, sort of the, sometimes they say confidence is inside out, but this was confidence outside in. And, and that, uh, it helped. That is a great segue into my whole philosophy, right? Like that is what I truly believe. That's what happened to that girl at your show. I had to work with her from the outside in in order for her to gain confidence with you. I, oh, and you got new glasses, right? That was another I, like... I got new glasses. I, um, you know, you just sort of have to find your personal comfort zone. And we're so set in our ways and used to what we're used to. And we don't want to take chances, whether it's uh, in fashion or in eating or in relationships. And uh, sometimes you need the right voice to, to be the right trigger uh, to do that. And sometimes that's coming to the great love debate. And sometimes that's somebody like you. Uh, understanding the right path uh, to confidence and, and style is a big part of that. And 
how you feel about yourself physically is a big part of that. But, you know, it's all sort of tied into confidence. And, and that's the thing that I think we overlook. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, speaking of confidence and like how you got started with this whole thing, with the great love debate and just where you are now, like, how did you get started? What was your journey? What inspired well, you to do this whole thing? Well, uh, I uh, have been in the entertainment business. I've been in show business for a long, long time, almost 20 years. And I had worked with a lot of actors and actresses and models and celebrities. And I was always sort of surprised at, uh, I don't know about surprised, but uh, really would see the level of insecurity that everybody had. Um, and I was really fascinated, especially by the women. And I felt that if I needed to dig deeper and to figure out what was going on um, in everybody's heads. So I collected a bunch of anecdotes and thoughts and opinions and put them in a book called How to Find Love in 60 Seconds, which is, which is not about a quickie. It is, it is mostly about uh, <laughs> recognizing, acting on, and not killing the opportunities that, that are presented to us every single day. And my agent at the time said, rather than do a book tour with you and 20 people in a Barnes and Noble, why not raise some of the questions that the book raises in an, in an open forum and, uh, and challenge some of your ideas, which, which, uh, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent committed on some of these ideas too, because it was sort of just my thought process on paper. So we, uh, January 14th, 2014, we were in a theater in Santa Barbara, California, and uh, we had about 200 men and women there. And I hodgepodge of my friends on the stage, sort of posing as uh, relationship experts, because I didn't really know uh, the Kim Seltzers of the world then. Because you didn't then. know me back then, right? I didn't know you then. <laughs> and, uh, and it just went uh, amazing. And so one show turned into five shows, turned into 20, and now we have been to... Uh, 81 cities in North America. We went to Asia. We've done 267 of these shows in front of close to 60,000 people. And three years later, and uh, I'm still asking the questions, but I have, uh, I have quite a bit of the answers now. Um, and a lot of those answers came from people like Kim. And a lot of those answers came from simply the act of congregating, of putting men and women in a shared space and having an open, honest, fun, feisty uh, dialogue because, you know, we all are going through this journey, even, even you, Kim Seltzer. And, uh, and, and it's something so that we know of close to 40 couples have gotten engaged from meeting somebody at a great love debate. Wow. And that's, that, that's like one out of every seven shows. That is a remarkable ratio. And it has, you know, as much to do with, uh, you know, has a little bit to do with things that people say and, and triggers from and pieces of advice from people like him. But mostly it's, I don't feel alone. I understand, you know, the women love to hear that it's not so easy for the men. So collectively raising a room, uh, a room's hope and a room's confidence is really more important than just about anything. Well, that's what I loved about the great love debate too, because it really is 
part of what I teach, and you know this, Brian, I always talk about building out a dating portfolio, and part of that portfolio should be actually going somewhere in real life and meeting real people. You know, we've been getting so caught up in the virtual world, and, and now that... Yeah, I tell, up, I tell people right? all the time, the, the best dating site is Earth. Yes. And, uh, and sometimes we, <laughs> we forget that that's the most accessible and, and the cheapest. And yes. uh, you have people all around you every single day that if you could just learn to engage with them for 60 seconds, which is essentially what my book's about, um, you'd be surprised at the connections uh, you could make and, the, and who those people are connected to and so on and so on. We, we've gotten to the point where we hide behind our Facebook profiles and our, our dating apps and our, you know, match.com and we hide. I, because we've lost the ability to engage face to face. So what the great love debate does is it really forces people to, to jump over that hurdle and uh, it does a lot of good. Yeah. But you know, even though we have this earth, people don't necessarily know what to do on this earth. And that, no, they, that's no, the they problem. Do not. We so, knew, we knew 20 years ago, somehow, yeah, we, did, somehow we don't we now. Well, yeah. what was so profound, I remember one of the shows that I went to, do you remember this? There, there was a young woman that stood up and she said, you know, you asked her, well, you know, if, if a guy came up to you on this planet Earth and said, hello, would you say hello back? She's like, no, I would go to my app and I'd check, check him out. And that she thought it was weird for somebody to say hello. And she much preferred to have interaction on the app first because she felt like she had more control over who that person was. You remember that? Oh, and a step further, I've had, uh, especially those under 30 or the millennials uh, stand up and say, it was so weird this guy called me. Even that's a level right. of intimacy that, that people don't. It's like, ew, on the phone. And so oh, yeah. in person is bad, on the phone's bad. So it's really, I need a level of technology between me and another human being before we engage. And that is, it's not the biggest problem, but it's the reaction to the biggest problem. And, uh, and you know, we got to get over that. Well, I, I and I want to kind of actually bring it a little more personal to you, Brian, because I've known you yes. for a really long time and around uh -huh. the subject of actually talking to people. Now, I know you <laughs> and you've yes. had a personal journey around talking to people. You want to talk about that? Well, I have. And, and when we started the great love debate, honestly, I was sort of treating it like I'm Jerry Springer. And we're going to have a little battle of the sexes. And I was just going to be above the fray and amused by it because I wasn't like, oh, I have, I have no problem dating. So it must, I'm not part of this. I think and you bumped it up to Phil Donahue though. Yeah. That's well, for, for like, for like a year and a half, <laughs> that's sort of what it was. It's like, these people have some problems and uh, I'm going to let them discuss it from sort of arm's length. And then the more we started doing great love debate, the more I'm like, these people are, thinking and feeling and experiencing things that I don't even know about. So I'm like, mm -hmm. what is my issue? Mm -hmm. And so I would hear them and I'm like, I'm missing out on, on life because I'm so personally walled off or scared or, or don't trust certain concepts such as love. And I had to then undertake my own personal journey, um, which both included, uh, wearing better shoes and going to therapy and everything in between and mm -hmm. to sort of figure out why I was not diving into the pool with such a fervor the way why I was putting, you know, I would say I put enough chips on the table to stay in the game, but I would never go all in. Why wasn't I going all in? What was different from me? 
And um, the more uh, I would do these shows and listen to people and actually engage, which I was always very, I had no idea I was uh, an introvert. I thought because mm-hmm. I had a big personality that I was not an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to do, you know, you have to do the work and you have to pull up the rocks and let the sun shine in and, and, and sort of, you know, heal in order to, to get the benefits of exactly the thing that everybody else is getting the benefit of. So I love that you shared that because I think it's something so common. It relates to what we're talking about, communication and actually talking to people. But I think also there was a connection for you in that it was easy for you to stay light or play a role with people where you wouldn't get you know, to the next level of intimacy or connection and where you are keeping a lot of the relationships at that level, right? And so... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just, just to give an example of even now, like uh, about halfway through the Great Love Debate Tour, coincidentally or not, my eyesight got worse. Uh, even so with I the had, new glasses? No, well, that's why I got the new glasses. <laughs> so I had to wear reading glasses, which, which most people eventually do. Mm-hmm. But I wear the reading glasses full time because I feel like I still need some level of protection because I feel more vulnerable now. So I hide behind mostly clear glass. Um, so, you know, so my, my, I think my ultimate, you know, fashion aside, I think my ultimate step will be like when I take the glasses off more and really engage with the person in front of me. And, uh, and do that. And so I'm aware of it. So being aware of your, you know, like I say, the alcoholic, you know, the first step is to be aware of your problem. I'm fully aware of them now in a way that, uh, and a lot of that had to do with paying attention to other people, you know, a lot of us don't do that. Yeah. Let's say your glasses was almost like a shield, like a protection. It's a shield. It's a metaphor. It's all, it's anything you want. And, uh, and it's still, uh, it still is to some degree. You know, it's funny, I was, there was a woman that I was working with and she was doing that. Now she's a single woman and when she was out, she would wear a wedding ring. Like she actually bought a fake wedding ring that she would put on her finger because in some levels she felt safer, like it was protecting her from actually well, making real connections with somebody who was actually available. Well, uh, yeah, but part, and, but part of it, you know, and me and you have... T- Talk to is it me and you or you and I? I have a very expensive English degree. I should know these things. I know. Um, you're asking me. It's, e- it's either me and you or you and I <laughs> have talked about uh, what I call costume confidence. Yes. And so part of me, in uh, you know, put glasses on or change the color or wear different shoes or whatever is sort of playing that Halloween costume. I can be somebody else when I'm really just allowing myself to be me. And, uh, and doing that. So it's like a prop where I'm playing, you know, better Brian Howie until I'm comfortable with actual Brian Howie, I think. And, uh, and I think that's good. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's a good metamorphosis as long as you're aware of that you need to do it and how to do it and what your goals are of doing it. And all of us collectively need to be better at engaging with the people around us. No, um, there's, there's real truth to that. And that is not something that's superficial or like, like you said, a bad thing. There's actually research done on this. When people wear something, they actually can perform differently. And there's, there was a study done in the New York Times and they 
coined the term enclosed cognition because what they found is in the study where they told these guys who weren't doctors to put on a bunch of white coats and perform as if they were a doctor. And it's to your point of acting as if. Well, the guys who wore the white coats versus the guys who didn't outperformed the guys who, who didn't wear the coats. Why? Well, because of the costume, it gave them the confidence to outperform. And in the brain, it actually shifted when they did studies on it. Well, I believe that. And, and on a lot of levels, that is much, much easier for a woman than a man because she can change her hair color and she has a lot more choices and things she to do. For, for a guy, for me, it was even like a subtle change of changing the size of my clothes, you know, mm -hmm. to getting it right that you feel younger, fitter, sleeker, all of these kind of things when really you weren't changing yourself at all on the outside, you know, physically, but it's sort of a trigger in your brain that, that just the smallest change can make a difference. Yeah, it, it is. And I always tell people all the time, you know, it's the small wins that add up to the bigger change. You know, I love when people say, oh, well, just, it, just be more confident and you'll attract love. Well, I mean, what does that mean? I hear that all the time. Or, or love yourself first. I hear that all the time. I'm like, yeah, well, that's very <laughs> nebulous when you don't even, can't even define what love is. Like, I love pizza and I love the New York Giants. And, you know, so it's a very uh, multi-purpose word that when we apply it to, our, towards ourselves or towards other people, we're not really sure what that even means. But that's, you know, that's a trigger, you know, and no offense to any uh, coaches or experts or whatever, but love yourself and manifest love and do all this and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And unless you can sort of give somebody a clear roadmap as to what that is or how to discover that, like, that's just a lot of nonsense. Yeah, no, it's so true. Okay, so then... It sounds like for you, you know, after you had that like awakening or awareness phase, then you put on some costumes, you know, so that you were acting as if, but then how did you actually become more confident, be able to connect and communicate? Well, you realize, I'm, you know, the single uh, biggest thing that I learned to do by doing that is listen. And I was a terrible listener. I'm still not the best listener. Um, you know, this is your podcast. I, uh, two years ago, I would have been like, why is there somebody else on this conversation? I thought life was a monologue. And I was always a big fan of the, of the semicolon because as soon as I put a period on the sentence, that was an opportunity for somebody else to say something. And I thought as long as I could control the conversation, I could control the narrative and I can control the outcome and I can control all those things. So learning to, to listen and trust and share and do all those things is a huge part of things that we don't even think about it. We don't even think about how we converse and how we engage and how we interact. And this is stuff that people don't pay any attention to because it's just who you are. It's, and it's stuff you've been doing for so long that you don't really, you know, analyze it. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I always say men talk more when they're nervous. Well, I must have been nervous for a long, long time yeah. without even knowing it. <laughs> 
Well, I was going to say, you know, there's always a reason for everything. And this is like, you know, putting my therapist hat on for a second is our past is always connected to the, our actions and, you know, the way we go about things. And for you, and this is a common thing. And for all of you listening, I'm sure you can relate to what Brian's saying. On some levels, your lack of listening and your need to control you know, the, the conversation or whatever it was, was really internally um, your feelings of being out of control. And it was a way to gain control. And I think a lot of us do that in various ways. It could be with food. It could be with people. It could be with sex, you know. And so a lot of times it's really recognizing that and that's well, coming from, you know, where it, that's it, coming from. You know, it's, a, it's an old kayaking lessons. When you kayak, they teach you, don't control the river, navigate the river. And, ah. uh, and, and that's, a, that's a thing that a lot of us have trouble even understanding. But if you, you sort of think about that, it, you can't, you know, just sort of ride the waters around you and try and steady your own ship. And I think you'll be a lot better off. Yeah, it's so true. Very, very well put. So do you feel that you're a good listener? Do you need to take a second and get a pen? Are you going to listen to this podcast and you'll remember that one? I will. No, I actually already wrote it down. So. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already ahead of you, Brian Howard. Okay. Um, so do you feel like you're a good listener now? Do you think you've improved? No. On a scale of one to ten, where are you at? I'm a five. What do you think um, you need to do to get to like a seven? Be more cognizant of it. Be more present. Uh, mm-hmm. Be more focused. Mm-hmm. Trust the people around you. Trust their opinion. Um, and and so I went from maybe a two to a five, and hopefully I'll get to a seven. And you know I don't think anybody's ever going to be a ten, but as long as you're headed the right way, um, good. And uh, and not knowing something is not a weakness. You know, mm, not, uh, yes. it, it, it's a good thing. Like you should learn from people around you and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and also though, you know, the people around you, if you can surround yourself with people who positively reinforce good behavior while not always, you know, harping on negative behavior, that's a good thing too. A lot of people let the negative energy in far quicker than they do the positive energy and um you know i would say the great love debate we're selling hope well you know the moment everybody walks in the room that's a hopeful act it means you mm-hmm. haven't given up it means you haven't said there's no good person for me or nobody can love me or i'm not good enough or whatever like the moment you you listen to this po- if you're listening to kim seltzer right now it means that you still have hope and that's uh hope's everything Aww. you know well, I love that. Those are great, like, parting words. I'm going to actually have you listen now for one second. So I'm going to cue you to listen. That's another oh, thing, by the way. <laughs> you can help friends listen by cueing them. Sometimes you have to be really direct. So um, I, I want to highlight something that you said and just recap all the great tips you gave. And one thing that you said that really struck me, and I think a lot of the listeners, is that vulnerability is not a weakness. And I think people really have a hard time with understanding what that means. But I think Brian just spelled out some great example of what it is. When you allow people to really see you, to hear you, to express your feelings, how, you know, who you are, 
that's that vulnerability that will allow people to be closer to you. And if you, like Brian, when in his younger days, were shielding yourself from that, all that was based in fear. And you have to take a look at where that's coming from. So just to recap, you know, it's funny because I thought this was going to be a very different podcast. I was going to talk about femininity and different things that, you know, I was thinking about that comes out of the great love debate, but it actually steered into something that was even more important and more personal, which is always more meaningful. And that, by the way, is the key to dating. Never have too much of an agenda. You got to go with the flow sometimes. And, and that's when magic happens. So really what he said, I mean, this is the pathway to confidence and connection. The first step is to be aware. What is, what is going on with yourself that is preventing you from finding love, that's preventing you from connection? The second is, and I love this, yeah, we talk about this all the time, act as if. Wear a costume. It could be something that you put on your body, like the glasses or a better shirt to give you that confidence to act as if you are that person. It could be putting yourself in situations that you never thought you could be at. If you are shy and you don't go to parties, then put yourself in a party and act as if you are the life of the party. It's a role because again, what research says is sometimes you have to act as if until you become. And remember the small wins, the small wins add up to the bigger ones. And the third step he talked about is listen, be present, really listen to others, listen to yourself and I, I, I love everything that you said, Brian Howie. So where can people find you? I'm sorry, were you saying something? Oh, yeah, oh. sorry. I, I'm just, I'm waking. <laughs> oh, just, just one more. No, one more note on that. Oh, but, you know, my. everybody wants to find confidence, but the most confident person in the room is the one who owns their greatest weakness. And especially for men, yes. that is sometimes hard to do is to realize that vulnerability is strength. And so everybody has to sort of sit down and decide what is my greatest fear, weakness, vulnerability, or whatever, and then own that, and you'd be surprised at the ripples that will fall off of that. By the way, it's just as hard for women as well. I, I think guys think it's harder for them, but it is just as hard as women. I know this from working for so many women. It's funny because men and women think it's always harder for the opposite sex, but really, we all struggle, right? And yeah. we see that at the Great Love Debate. So where can people see the show? Where can people hear you? Go to greatlovedebate.com. You will see our live tour schedule. We have upcoming shows all over the place. And uh, you can also subscribe and listen to the Great Love Debate podcast where uh, we have lots of not just uh, very smart voices like Kim Seltzer on there, but we have tons and tons of celebrities uh, sharing their own experiences and weaknesses. And if you think uh, you're screwed up, wait to hear some celebrities talk about how uh, <laughs> what their issues are and it's uh it's really fun all around we are uh the world's number one dating and relationship podcast but hey kim seltzer you are uh, yapping at our heels so maybe you'll oh, catch us in the days ahead well we'll be holding hands going to number one <laughs> together right that's right <laughs> into the sunset well thanks everyone for joining me today this has been the charisma quotient i am your host kim seltzer and remember you can build confidence make connections and find love from the outside in and if you want to know more make sure you go to my site seltzerstyle.com which brian howie did help me with that domain by the way i just want to plug you for that 
And um, by the way, I have a new quiz that you may want to take to see what kind of archetype and challenges you women may have. That's coming up soon, so, so make sure you check that out. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day. Bye.